Alright everybody, welcome back to the Express Podcast. We are on chapter 2. It's called Becoming a Son. Uh, It's a really in-depth chapter about uh, sonship and our relationship with the Father in Heaven and how uh, fatherlessness on this earth, whether we physically have a father present in the home or not, has impacted our view of what the Heavenly Father is. Um, It's a really uh, challenging chapter, uh, really in-depth on how to just grow in relationship with the Father and Something we've been doing to start before the podcast is uh, we have a moment of prayer together um, just to be able to reflect and allow for God and his wisdom to shine through us um, because we feel like his message uh, is going to flow through us as opposed to just us bringing our thoughts. So uh, we advise y'all to take a moment of silence, a moment of prayer, a moment of reflection before we dive into this chapter two. All right, so chapter two, Becoming a Son. Uh, Just kind of before we get started, uh, opening thoughts of what you thought about the chapter. It was longer than the original first chapter for those who are keeping up with us, so we get it. Um, Personally, I thought it was a very interesting chapter. While it was extremely long, in my opinion, for what it could have been, it had a lot of stuff packed in there, but it can be very confusing. I don't know what you guys thought about that. No, I'd agree with that because, I mean, he does a lot bouncing forth between, like, narrative pieces and, like, stories and then, like, kind of, like, call-to-action type stuff. Um, So I I had to read it twice just to kind of concise all the info that I needed to get out of it. Um, But I'd agree with that. Like I said, I had to read it twice, so. Yeah, I think when I first read it, I was like, this is kind of a a difficult chapter to digest it all because there's so many different things kind of thrown at you from different ways. Um, But I also think too, you know, his story uh, and his understanding, like this specific part of the relationship, you know, with our father in heaven uh, could have stood out more to him um, than maybe it does to us or to other people reading. And it might resonate with other people more than it does us, which is the beauty of why we're doing this. Um, But I, I just, you could just tell it was like critical to understand, you know, he used the word sonship, which I had never heard before. Um, he used that word a ton just kind of in reference to in order to become the man that we're supposed to be, we first have to become sons of our heavenly father, you know, and, and so often we think of, oh, you're a son. And we directly correlate that to our earthly father um, and where that could lead us astray, but also strengthen us at the same time. And I feel like his big message was, let's kind of unpack everything that you've learned from your earthly father and let's learn it, what that truly means from the creator of all. So I thought that was kind of like the main point essentially. Um, and we're obviously going to dive in more into what that looks like. Um, but yeah, I, I felt like it, like, like Mitch said, it, like some narrative pieces that could help explain things, but it sometimes could kind of like cloudy the chapter, I guess. Yeah, and I think when, did you want to say something real Yeah, quick? I was just going to say even like a step further in, in terms of like unlearning like fatherhood figures on earth too. It's almost to a point of unlearning some stuff that you have been taught about 
his fathership and like what being a son actually is versus kind of what we've been told it is or like everyone has their own interpretation of it but coming to realize exactly what that means in terms of being a son of the father yeah and well i was going to say just starting off on the chapter he uh i think he does a very good job of obviously his stories are very personal to him and is a part of why he's writing this book and so i kind of want to start with what he was talking about of his wife if you are not reading um so basically i said his experience uh where his whole life is come is crumbling down his marriage his life his wife um and he's having all these troubles and he's kind of trying to figure it out and then he goes to what we've talked about in you know the first season of this podcast which he starts going trying to go back to his foundation and then he realizes that his foundation, which he has been claiming is Jesus, is off. Which I think is very interesting because a lot of the times when we do have stuff go on go wrong in our life, we do need to go back to that foundation. And then if you do not have a foundation, that's where it's a larger issue. But I would be willing to say that all three of us, definitely, and most of you listening to this, our foundation is Jesus. And so when he said that, I was kind of like, okay, because... Well, I know when I have a problem in my life, that's like the first thing. Okay, can I, when I'm trying to diagnose it, like where does this lie? And does it start with the fact that I haven't been doing a very good job with my relationship with Jesus or God? And if it does, well, then you have to start there because that's like, that's the root of everything mm-hmm. for me. So, yeah. Well, I, I think I've, I figured that out in my life that whenever things start getting rushed, whenever I start feeling, uh, which he, he gets to later on about the false self. Um, I, I really feel like that that not my best self comes to play when I'm not rooted in Jesus, not rooted in the Father. Um, and essentially I'm trying to control everything from my lens of how I see things and, and through my perspective instead of being able to take a step back and say, you know what, I need to, to continue to build that foundation and stay rooted uh, in God and in the principles and the life teachings that, you know, his son, Jesus, and, uh, that he basically taught us and how to live. So that's just for me. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. I'm getting choked up. Uh, but yeah, I just think that, um, every relationship is going to come from how we as men are acting and, and preparing for that life journey. So, yeah. And he, he, uh, quotes John, um, one, one, where he says in the beginning was the word and the word was God. And I'm sorry, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And so that's a very good point when we're talking about the foundation and everything like that. And then he goes on to say, you know, humans are created to be adapted to the into the family of Trinity, which is very interesting because for those of you that don't know, the Trinity is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so we are designed to, and he gets, you know, later in the chapters, he gets into this more of this idea of like why humans are designed. And we talked about this, I think last week, where humans are entrusted with his greatest gift, which is not only humanity, but the earth and everything that comes with it. And so that's very interesting to kind of analyze when you're saying, I mean, think about it, like, Genesis one when you're t- when he's talking about it, everything starts and ends with him. So, of course, that's the foundation. I would say. Yeah. Well, and in, in, in the Trinity thing, I wrote that same part down where he says the center of creation itself was a loving relationship. Like creation came from the Trinity. It came from this perfect blend of three entities. You know, in God, God the Father, 
the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, and he points out in that relationship, the, a, a huge part of it was the relationship between Father and Son. And in order for us to fully grasp who we are supposed to be as men comes from learning how to be the Son and live in this perfect kind of relationship with the Father. And as he goes to point out too, a lot of that gets skewed culturally because we kind of can correlate what the father is with what our, you know, earthly father, who he is. And we can kind of, you know, we, we start to kind of, you know, say, this is how my dad acted. You know, that's how God, the father acts. And he's, he's kind of saying, no, we need to break that down and get you to look at the true sense of the form of who God actually is and who the father actually represents as opposed to, well, this is how my, this is how my dad acted. So this is what I'm supposed to be like. Yeah. And did you all find it interesting when he talked about, um, the role of fathers in households and the, I don't know if you remember like the mother's day card, like prison experiment. He oh did. yeah. The story of the prison. That's why I wrote down. And so for those of you again, that, that haven't read, um, or behind or just listening, he does this kind of experiment of when it was mother's day, they passed out, I guess, cards at a prison for, you know, prisoners to write cards to their mom for wishing them a happy Mother's Day. And he said that they had to go get extra because they ran out because yeah, they, they literally could not get enough. They could not get enough. And then when it came around for Father's Day, they were kind of planning to do the same thing. And he says not one, didn't he say like not one person took one? Not one person, not one inmate took a card to write to his father. And kind of he's saying in their lies, part of the issue and it shows us that culturally the fatherlessness that we experience as a culture is leading essentially to all the core issues that we're facing whether it's as a society or in our own personal relationship with the father because we haven't been keen to that relationship with the father um he you know in in that too he asks everyone to write down an exercise and i challenge all to do this as well and i wrote down a few things of if you if you hear father basically what are 10 words to describe what a father is and in that you know there's a lot of things that i necessarily haven't experienced but a lot of people write down words of whether it's like uh stressed violent you know any any of like the negative words that basically you can come up with you know distant um always working all those kinds of things uh seem to come up when it's talking about a father and and he's challenging us to break that barrier down and start to understand who God the Father is and what those adjectives look like and then us as a man try and closely resemble those characteristics of what a loving, beautiful father we do have. Yeah, and I also think it's interesting because he says, you know, along with, it's kind of like what you're saying, um, he gives you some statistics on some, you know, people who do not have their biological father within the household. Um, and he basically comes out and says, um, 72% of the nation is, um, considered fatherless. So that's like the most significant, it's like identified as the most significant family problem in the United States, which is interesting. And that, and I looked at, that was from like 20 years ago, that study. So I bet you you can only imagine how much it's gone up since then. Yeah. So, but then he dives into this thing, which we've kind of talked about. So he's identified, okay, some of the problems with being a father. But what's also interesting is your father or all of our biological fathers are a son at, you know, to their father, which then makes it to where like this whole big thing of, um, 
you know, we all have to learn how to be sons to the ultimate father. And then he goes into this thing and he's like, well, Jesus is like teaching you what it's like to be the ultimate son, which I thought was very interesting. And he gives a bunch of scripture quotes from John ten thirty. He goes, I and the father are one. Um, John five nineteen. whatever the father does, the son also does. John seventeen three. this is the life that you might know the father. And so it's very interesting when you start diving into that because the overall chapter is, you know, um, becoming a son. And so when you're talking, we may not have, like, how do we do that? Well, Jesus is how we do that. And his example is a template. Yeah, he gave us a little guide. And what we do with that guide is very telling of, I guess, how bad do we want to be a good son? And I think that's what, that's what blows my mind the most about this. And I feel like things that I personally struggle with is, Jesus didn't do anything without the validation and approval of his heavenly father, right? Like there were times, you know, I I feel like the story that pops up is, uh, you know, when he's what, 10, 11, 12 years old and he's teaching in the temple and can't find his, you know, his parents can't find him. And I feel like culturally we would say like, well, he's doing things without his father's approval. And I'm not sitting here saying that (laughs) you just go out and do whatever you want. (laughs) But he was following the calling of what his heavenly father was asking him to do. And I feel like at times I really struggle with that because I feel like I'm trying to, uh, you know, more or less impress my hev- or my earthly father, you know, my biological dad, instead of truly following the footsteps of what it's like to be a son to the father that's in heaven. Um, I feel like that's what a lot of men we struggle with, you know, is that concept and idea because it's so ingrained in us culturally, and we've talked about that before, but it's so ingrained in us to be this masculine, and I'm saying that with quotes, this masculine soul of like tough and never showing emotion and always fighting through. And yes, yeah, some of that is good characteristics for us, right? Like, you know, being tough and those kinds of things, but it needs to be within the realm of how, of what toughness actually means, you know, from God. Right. It needs to be in the realm of who the father actually wants us to and so he says you know when you live life to who the father wants you to be you become ready for anything anywhere which is a very sort of deep quote but then he also dives into this fact of you know we all grow up thinking that our dad is the biggest baddest strongest you know that's like if you go to a little kindergartner and you you know my dad's stronger than your dad type argument or my dad's bigger than your dad everyone's dad superhero right everyone's dad is their superhero um and we're not sitting here saying that that's a bad thing but we're saying that we need to understand who our heavenly father is in order to actually become our best self as a man right and i just want this just came to my brain but the uh i don't know why this interview maybe i'm getting emotional in my old age but maybe bald made me emotional but the interview of tom brady i think it's the super bowl last year when they asked, like that, was it a little kid who asked him or was it, I don't care. It was, it was some like reporter's kid that asked him asked who him. his hero was. Yeah. And he started getting emotional and he said, my dad, and he got choked up and like, he couldn't, like, he just was like, yeah, like, because that's like such a, I think, I don't know. We talk about this all, the older you get, the more you appreciate your parents, the more you appreciate, I, I don't know. We, we've talked about that a bunch, but. Yeah, and I've, I've had to do that today. It's Barry's birthday today. Shout, shout out, out Barry. Shout out, Pops. Shout out Barry. Yes. Yeah. So he, um. But it's it's interesting because he said he goes from saying, "Okay, well, you think your dad's the strongest man in the world," but then 
at some point in your life, and it's a very sad day, but at some point in your life, you do you figure out that he's not. Like something happens. And so he gives this example of uh, his father and seeing his father cry for the first time. And he was like, whoa. Because in his eyes, like he did not expect that. Like he thought his father was invincible. And we all know that, you know, fathers are not invincible or anything like that. But then when he, when he saw this, he, I think, took it upon himself saying like he's going to become... Well, he took it upon himself to, because from my understanding was his father never addressed him crying that day. It was, it was at his grandfather's, his grandfather's funeral. His father's dad. Yeah. And he had never seen his dad cry and never addressed that emotional side. And he kind of took it upon himself to be stronger than his dad. Right. Um, you know, so many stories of you know, let's just say somebody's dad is not around as much. And like that is, they're like, well, I'm going to be better than my dad and I'm going to be in the household. I'm going to provide for my family. I'm never going to run away. And in that builds up these walls to where they never actually became a son of the heavenly father because they took it upon themselves culturally um, and in this life to be a better dad instead of, instead of being a better dad than your dad, why not become the dad that God is asking you to be? And I, I just feel like, that we all struggle with, you know, there are different parts of each of us. Well, that's, so when I was writing down some of the, some of the words to describe, you know, my experience of what a dad is like, there wasn't anything bad, you know, uh, if anybody knows my dad, he's one of the best there is and, um, has held me to high standards, you know, all my life, um, and really taught me about wisdom and guidance and, and especially because my parents, you know, I was, I'm seven and nine years younger than my oldest brother and sister. So, um, I felt like it kind of gave my dad in a way like a different opportunity to grow just because he was getting older. And so I've learned different lessons than probably what my brother and sister did when I was that age. Um, so I feel like the one thing that, um, I would say like if for anybody that knows me, I'm very much just like my dad. And, uh, I feel like I get like the stress and the worry, from, from my dad. Um, it just kind of comes with the territory, but I think that kind of goes to our point of breaking down that whole barrier of what a father is and what the heavenly father is. Um, because the heavenly father doesn't stress and worry, right? Cause he's in control and he is in control of everything cause he knows everything. And I feel like that's kind of like my battle is when I get stressed and worried, life speeds up. I'm not my best self. Um, I can take that out on, you know, the people closest around me and, and we'll dive into that later of when we're not our best selves, we impact those that we love the most because they know us the best and understand us the best. And, um, I feel like that that's kind of like one of my weak points is the stress part and the worry part, because what? I can, I can stay up all night say, stressing with the best of them, you yeah. know? And that kind of leads to like the kind of what I was brushing on, like the reactionary stuff. It's like you build up these reactions to self-protect essentially and and that's when you sort of lash out or do things that you know aren't your best self or what you intend to do and that's how you end up hurting people and and it couldn't and, and, and sometimes it's not even like lashing out like it's not even always a big moment it's just you react in a way that may not necessarily be you and whether it's big or small it affects the relationship or the people around you or your job or whatever it may be because you're not optimally performing because you're not you're in tuned more with what's happening around you as opposed to being in tuned with what God is saying to you, right? And what he's trying to teach you. Do you all, are you all getting better at catching yourselves reacting quickly? I catch myself oh, doing yeah. it all the time. Oh yeah. 
you know, I, I can build up, I can build it up with the best of them. Um, and I feel like that's something you learn. It's almost like the patience component. Like our heavenly father is the most patient because if you think about all the little things yeah. that we do that would drive our biological dads up a wall, God isn't like that. He keeps saying like, you know, come to me, mm-hmm. come to me. Like, you know, Jesus says like my yoke, my, my yoke is easy. Like the burden is easy because I'm taking that for you. And I feel like that's, I have a really, like I butt heads with that all the time, all the time. Yeah. Well, it's tough to also admit that you need help or I'm trying to be better at that as saying, I say, I like, I like, I mean, my new thing is I'm not perfect. Like I'm not perfect. I'm going to have shortcomings. I'm going to have days where you're like, what's wrong with you? Whether it's a coworker, whether it's Lexi, whether whoever it is. And like, I just keep trying to say like, I'm just trying to get better. And I I will say with my, well, especially with teaching, I've, those kids have given me a lot of patience, but the, um, just finding myself like a normal day, if I react to, you know, whether it's my mom or my dad or whoever in a way that I shouldn't, I immediately know like, Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Or I shouldn't have reacted like that. And oftentimes I'll try to apologize like, you know, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that, (laughs) but the damage may already be done. What's amazing though. And this kind of just popped into my head too. If you saying that is, Show me an instance like in the Bible where Jesus would take back how he reacted. Never. Because he was always so in tuned with who God was, what God was asking him to do, to say, to respond. Because, I mean, think about all the times where, you know, the Pharisees tried to catch him in a lie or catch him, you know, try and put him in a situation where it was unanswerable. Because it's like, if you answer this kind of way, then you're siding, then you're, then you're putting yourself on this side. But if you answer in this way, then you're putting yourself on this side, much similar to the politics of today's age. It's like, if you answer one way, you know, labeled, you're a liberal. If you answer this other way, you're a conservative and you can't win either way. Well, Jesus gave us the blueprint on how to stay fully committed in the middle to show people, no, that the left ain't the right way. The right ain't the right way. It's right down the middle, baby. Like that's where you're supposed to be. And I feel like that that's, kind of where I'm wanting to get to in my in my life and my relationship with with Mallory and my relationship with y'all and with family is how to always stay in that even keel mode to when you are quote-unquote reactive you're reacting in the right way that you're called to yeah that's and I thought about this too when he this is I'm kind of jumping here but um just kind of maybe as we get into the last portion of this episode I don't know if his, I'm hope, maybe his son really did say this, but the part about where his son said that, like, I think he said that he's having his, um, like he was having a breakdown. I think he had just dropped his wife off at the center or whatever. And he's having like a breakdown. And his son said that. Well, let me give a little backstory real quick. Okay, so people get, it. so to give a little backstory to what Mason's about to dive into. So he, Morgan, the author drops his wife, Sherry, off at a basically like a rehab therapy center for her mental health for her mental health and he has this breakdown basically um where he kind of has like a he like falls out basically um just like a massive panic yeah yeah basically he's like outside home depot yeah yeah Yeah. like he just like pretty much collapses and he basically in that moment gets this message from god from god of saying like son like you can do this, like get up, 
you can do this. And he then is going to apologize to his son for being the father that he's been to him, which I don't get any like thing that like he's been any type of like abusive dad or anything just hasn't been his best, his best self in this relationship. So that leads to the story of what his son says to him. Yeah. So I can't, I wish I had written down the, written down the page. I know it's in the beginning of the chapter. Yeah, he goes, he goes. 26 while I was falling apart inside. Yeah, he goes, Joshua leaned over, looked at me in the eyes, nose to nose, and said, Daddy, we are brothers. Yeah. And so he talks about the fact that, no, that's not technically true. Like, he's his son, but he, you know, he says that he kind of felt this, like, immediate nudging of the Holy Spirit saying, just kind of go with it and see, which I, that's one thing I do love about little kids. Like, they, they do say some stuff, and you're, like, expand like tell me more yeah, they say it so on because they're so going innocent. through your head yeah, yeah, like, they, they say it so honestly like they don't have any skewed perspective no like he literally thought he's like yeah we're brothers and the dad's like no how's that how yeah. like how is that possible and then he so he says he you know he paused he lingered and he asked his son joshua he says joshua how are we brothers and he responded in the matter of factly as a three-year-old can says, Daddy, God is my father, and God is your father, so that makes us brothers. And that is like a like a light bulb. I know in, in my life, and I'm sure in every time of your life, that maybe something may be going a little awry or just not how you planned. You always get, mine happens on the Bible app. So like Lexi's dad and myself send each other uh, scripture every morning. And if I got something that is on my brain, I do I cannot explain again, I cannot explain it, but something the scripture that's going to be sent to me at 7:30 in the morning on my Bible app is going to have something to do with what I'm worrying about every single time. Or I spin it in, in a way to where I'm like, "Oh, this is telling me to, you know." But it's just amazing that he he said that and he says, you know, he was speechless and he's he's fighting back tears and his son's actually absolutely correct. And that kind of hits on the whole point of the episode is it doesn't matter if it's if you're a dad listening to this, if you're a grandfather, if you're a son, if you are some, you know, it doesn't matter. We're all brothers and we are trying to work with the true father, which mm-hmm. was very interesting to me when he, like when he said that story, I was like, wow, like that's pretty powerful. Yeah. And something that I don't want us to miss in this story too, that kind of leads to, I feel like what he's getting at for this chapter is. He said, and we need our father more than anything else. Let's pray and ask God to father us. And he said, so we began. God, we are your sons. We ask you to father us today. And that got me to thinking, like, when is the last time when I have an issue, have something come up, have uh, a decision to make, how often do I call my dad and talk to him about it? Well, pretty much every time. I mean, that's just how we all roll. And not saying there's anything wrong with that because I love talking to my dad and I feel like he gives great advice and wisdom for me. But when's the last time you asked God to father you? And in those moments, gone to him for the answer. Um, Because if you go to the next page over on 27, um, he kind of asked the question of what kind of man do I want to be? And he said, basically, he couldn't really explain how he was feeling this and and that God was leading him in this. And he said, basically, I'm in no matter the circumstance and no matter the outcome, he was going to tried to be the best son to our father in heaven that he could be. And I feel like that that's such a key point and it really wraps up what we're about in this episode is how often are you asking God to father you? 
How often are you going to him for the guidance and advice and kind of putting all the stereotypes, all the misconceptions of what being a son, being a man is from what culture speaks about and allowing the creator of all to guide your decision because that's what Jesus did. Yeah. Mitch, you got any final thoughts for this one? Um, no, I'll just kind of expand off what Dansby said and like going back a little bit. It's like, you know, whether you think you're too far gone or anything like that, like he is ready for you whenever you you are willing to make that step. He is there to be your father regardless of anything you've done or things you might think you've done or any of any of that. Like you can bring it to him and it's it's liberating, honestly. It's mm-hmm. like you, to know that he's always there for you. Yeah, no mountain is too big for him. Yeah. It's kind of like your own like parents. Like if if you really and I would like I'm sure that there are situations where this may not be applicable, but I'm sure for most of us, if there is really a situation, even if we are I don't know, even if our parents are not looking at us in a very favorable light, if you go to them in a time of need, they are always gonna open their arms and accept you because you're their child. And so like God is the same way, just on a very higher level because he know he's the all knowing like he and the the stuff that you're struggling to think about you may be thinking about oh man like maybe i should pray about this he already knows that you should pray about it like he's seen it he's designed it like he has witnessed all of it so you might as well go to him and then you're going to find this like like mitchell says like liberating like you you just have all this stress put off you like taken off your back and it's it's honest. I mean, I don't even really know how to describe it. It's kind of like when you, you know, when you're a little kid and you do something you shouldn't, and then you confess. And you're like, whoo! And your parents are like, that's it. Like that's right. Yeah. That the I wrote a few notes down that I just want to go over because I felt like they were pretty key for this chapter. Um, and it can kind of be a little bit to recap it, but he talks he talks about what masculinity looks like in Jesus' reality. Um, and the three things I kind of took from it was number one, uh, that Jesus lived fully as a son. That everything he did was as a son for what his father was directing him to do. Uh, number two was that that, you know, discipline in that, that sonship was the foundation of his life. And then the third thing was that Jesus drew all of his strength and validation through the father. And how often are we looking for that strength and validation from our, whether it's friends, our biological father, um, that maybe media. social media right. that could skew us from what uh, God is actually trying to tell us. And then, uh, something too, because I know it feels like we have a lot of like pain in our society. We have a lot of pain built up um, in our inner soul. And how he described pain is that it's just a symptom of a deeper ache and longing in our soul, basically. And, and then he goes on to say that that a masculine soul truly comes from the father, because the the father is the definition of what perfect intimacy, love, and affection looks like. Um, and so I think that so many times, um, and he says this too, that that the idea that that when we experience something that goes wrong, that's when the fatherlessness shows up the most because of whether how our dads handled things or how culture tells us to handle things. Um, we get away from, from what our soul is actually telling us to do. And the more that we can be in line with what God is saying our soul should look like and feel like uh, we can start to handle those situations, you know, more proactively um, and in the right way that he's called us to. Yeah. And just my kind of final thought here is, you know, we're all, hopefully you all are listening to this to get better in your relationship with the father. 
as well just get better as a person but i'm gonna leave us with a you know a little quote says in order to become the best husband friend partner whatever you want to call it we have to first become a good son to the father because until you do that nothing's going to fall in line like you that's that's where it all flows from that's where it all flows from like we talked about god is the creator of all he's the creator of love he's the creator of intimacy so in order to live that same life we have to be connected yeah so we appreciate y'all for listening in um thank you for hopefully you have bought the book and you are reading it or if not and you're just joining along um this episode is actually going to be on youtube so we'll be dropping the link on our social when we have it all completed for you when the episode drops so we just want to thank you guys again for coming on this journey with us and just ask you to continue to be open as we progress through this becoming a king book yeah you don't want to miss the next episode we're going over how to become your true self and uh, allow that to shine uh, in each and every day. Um, I love how this book continues to build. It's like the building blocks to becoming who we're supposed to be and it all flows really nicely. So looking forward to it, hoping that this is changing y'all's life as much as it is ours. Uh, we're, we're very thankful for this journey um, with y'all together uh, and we're here to you know change the world one step at a time. Here. <laughs> See you next time.